I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, who are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water and now biodegradable. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum, from that first snappy change to those messy weaning months, Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. Made here in Ireland, Water Wipes are now 100% biodegradable and compostable wipes. With the same purity and quality as before, they are ideal for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products, and this podcast. This is an epic conversation with heavily pregnant drama, a race to the A&E, an emergency birth, and a journey to diagnosing silent reflux and cow's milk protein allergy. This is Nessa Hurley's and baby Florence's story, full of resilience and love from start to finish. The first half of this episode talks about Florence's birth in September and could easily be turned into a movie. The second is a much-needed honest account of Florence's digestive issues and the lengths parents will go to find a solution. Nessa, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. So many women are feeling the impacts of silent reflux, reflux, colic, digestive issues, and there's so little, I suppose, understanding or information or signposting of what to do or where to go. And this isn't just something that impacts your newborn. It is something that impacts the mother and the father and the family massively. And I love that you're talking about it because sometimes I feel like these things are happening in that fourth trimester when the curtains are closed and families emerge six months down the line being like oh we're grand we're fine we're fine but actually in the moment you're not you're not fine um so tell me how old is Florence now so Florence is 15 weeks now I'm still going by weeks I'm that mom (laughs) but um yeah so she's 15 weeks now she was born at the end of September um as you said it's been a little a little roller coaster um but i hope we're out the other side um now yeah it's it's been tough tell me about how florence came into the world because i i know this story um and i and i think about it a lot because for anyone listening Nessa and I would would message each other quite frequently we were both due around the same time and we were in touch a lot and I still vividly remember sitting in Hollis Street at one of my very late appointments and we were talking about the likelihood of birth scenarios and what might happen and when it would happen and how dramatic a, a water breaking in the middle of an island Tesco would be <laughs> and we were both at that point of like right let's just lock this down because we we don't know when something might happen um never really believing it would be as dramatic as as what actually happened to you i know it was so funny as you said um we used to literally be um texting well um instagram messaging 
about the the most dramatic scenarios and then when I actually text you to tell you what happened I'm sure you were like is is this girl making this up what so yeah so it was Florence had a very dramatic entrance into the world um at around 38 weeks I had had enough of aches and pains I had a pretty straightforward pregnancy to be honest you know um there was there was the usual aches and pains. In the last few weeks, I got like really, really swollen um, legs and ankles um, to the point that I could barely walk. And with a very busy four-year-old, I needed to be able to walk. So I said, you know what, I'm going to head off now and get myself a nice pregnancy massage and try to um, try to relax. So off I headed off one Thursday morning, delighted with myself to be escaping off to a nice hotel here in Cork um, for a massage. Jumped out, well, didn't jump out of the car. I got out of the car very slowly. <laughs> Did a seven um, point turn. Literally, <laughs> like took me about 10 minutes just to get out of the car. Um, and I was walking along and literally next thing I was flying through the air. That's all I could explain it as. I, I'm always on my phone. The first question everyone asked me was, were you on your phone? And I was like, no, would you believe? Um, I was really big at that stage and I was very conscious of falling. Um, so I had my phone in my handbag and I was walking along. I was even wearing runners, you know, so I was pretty much safe. Um, and then literally I just, I, I must have tripped over a curb. Um, I don't remember tripping over a curb, um, but I just went like flying through the air like superwoman so I had my left arm out in the air literally like superwoman um, and I landed so hard on my bump I, I'll never forget it I literally I just roared like I just flattened down on my bump and it was a fine big bump um, and I just I just lay there for a few seconds going oh my god oh my god like and then I just started screaming like primal like when I think back, I actually cringe so hard, but I just started screaming. Um, I was literally right outside the door of a hotel and like there was people walking in and out. Now it was quiet because it was obviously, you know, it was during COVID. So it's not like the hotels are packed to the rafters, but um, it was um, a few people walking in and out and they were just looking at this very heavenly pregnant woman on the floor roaring. Um, and in fairness, um, a lovely couple stopped and said, did I want help? And I was like, like, yes, please. I was just lying there. Um, and then I sat up and it was only then I realized, oh, my God, what's that pain? Mm. Um, um, but I just I didn't care. I was just like so worried about the baby. Like I've never fallen when pregnant, so I didn't know if it would have damaged the baby mm. or if like my placenta was going to be okay I just I just panicked completely panicked um and then in fairness the staff came out and they just took over and they were phenomenal um in the meantime I had rang Dennis screaming down the phone sorry Dennis is my husband um I rang him screaming down the phone he he got such a fright he thought I had like crashed the car because I just was so like hysterical on the phone um so he just literally jumped in his car and got to me in the quickest time ever um he still didn't know what had happened um so I he got there and you could see that you know things looked okay um I was on the floor outside a hotel being tended to by um the staff 
Um, and it was only then, like, what, 10, 15 minutes later, I said, I think my arm or shoulder is broken because the pain was just mm. through the roof. But it was only then that I was like, right, there's some there's pain, but the bump was my priority. Of course. It's, oh, I... I'm getting shivers just imagining that moment where you realize you've lost control. Like you're, 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 as you said, you're flying through the air and that impact, that land and everything that goes through your head. I just, I like, it was only a fall. Like I hadn't fallen from a height. I hadn't, you know, had a bad impact. We'll say it wasn't, um, I wasn't in a moving vehicle, but it was just that like complete, I lost complete control of my body and I literally just went dump like onto the bump and like it felt like it squished like it genuinely I sat up and I was like where's the bump where's the bump I actually felt around the back of me I was like has the bump moved around it just felt like I had like flattened um but anyway look in um it all got very dramatic from there the hospital staff had to call an ambulance which um at the time I was like please don't call an ambulance thinking oh my god this is so dramatic but looking back I it was like the best thing ever because um the ambulance came they were so lovely like it was really weird throughout it all I was in a lot of pain and and I was totally panicked but I think my coping mechanism is to kind of bring humor to a situation so I just I was like having great laughs with the ambulance crew I know it's their job to keep you you know um like your mind off things but um yeah so they got me they basically wanted to check me out um on the ground so they kind of did a bit of um checking me out and they were like look we think yeah you've you've a break in your shoulder arm or whatever so you know they were trying to get me um up onto stretcher and the pain was pretty bad now I I would think I'm I have a good pain threshold but I was like oh my god and so every move was hard um I have to laugh um I had just put on a new jacket that morning and they were like this is this priority is now here they were like gonna have to cut off your jacket I was like no it's new I just got it this morning it just been delivered they were like right okay let's try to take it off but anyway um long story short in fairness they gave me um some painkillers um they they um got me onto the stretcher they had my arms secured they were checking um like my vital signs the only thing they couldn't check was the baby's heartbeat and how the baby was doing so the whole way from let's say outside the hotel to the emergency room I like I was still wondering if all was okay with the baby um and that was my only thought now the the craziest thing happened when that ambulance pulled up outside the CUH I'm living in Cork so it was the CUH that I went to um the doors opened and there was my sister-in-law she's a nurse in A&E so I was just like Emma literally Aww. it was like the nicest feeling ever to see her because it was just like a little bit of home and family so that really helped I, I just instantly calmed I was brought into A&E I was x-rayed straight away my arm shoulder and in the meantime they had my husband is like a very practical thinker and he had rang my um 
um, obstetrician, I can never say that word, mm-hmm. um, in the, like as I was on the way. Um, so by the time I got to the CUH, she had rang down and had like um, organized for a midwife to come straight to see me in the A&E. I wasn't in the maternity section. I was in like the main hospital. So in fairness, they got a girl over straight away. So she came with her tracing machine. I've never been so happy to see someone with that machine. Um, And they got that on me straight away and saw that um, Florence's heart rate was very, very fast, but it was there and she was um, she was clearly in distress. But they were just um, they didn't really know, like if she was actually in you know if there was anything wrong or if it was just that because I was so panicked that you know as a result she had her heart rate had sped up so um they were like my consultant called down and the midwife I could hear her on the phone just kind of saying this is where it's at um and I could see that there was a bit of panic on the midwife's face so then obviously I started to panic again and then she came back and said right we need to go now let's go now 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 so next thing I was being wheeled down the corridor with um my sister-in-law which was so amazing on one side of me because she had to obviously transfer me across and my and the midwife who was just super lovely and then I got to the CMH and I was just so lucky my obstetrician was actually there with she had just finished um uh, c-section delivery so she was literally there waiting for me she she actually just burst out laughing when she saw me um because I'd had a quite a dramatic um birth with my first daughter and um, so she, the whole way through my pregnancy she kept saying that so we are going to have a really relaxed birth we were we're going <laughs> to have it you know we are going to make this so special for you and um, so she just burst out laughing and she's like Nessa seriously I was like I know I know she's like right checked baby's heartbeat checked mine she's like right we're getting we're getting this baby out now within 10 minutes my baby was on my chest and all you wanted that day was a massage literally I couldn't have gone any different but look she was born at 38 weeks and um in fairness I um it turns out like I mean I thought I was going to go into labor any day I think I had been saying that to you Sinead um she was really really low and um I'd had my first daughter Amy Rose at 38 weeks too so she was ready to come out she was nine pounds three ounces she was more than ready to come out with two weeks to go yeah she was she was ready um yeah so Look, it turns out it it was actually a blessing in disguise because um, when I went back for my six week checkup with the with the consultant, it turns out that I actually had a compromised placenta, um, which is for another the whole other story. But she needed to come out. Basically, my consultant said to me, "I think it was actually in a weird way, it was a blessing in disguise that you fell." So she took matters into her own hands. She was like, "Get me out." exactly she's like I'm gonna send you through the air like superwoman <laughs> but yeah so it was very dramatic um the well I suppose the main thing is is that um the doctor had said to me look um you are going to probably require surgery on your arms slash shoulder 
um and then like your your heart rate is through the roof the baby's heart rate is through the through the roof and we have to take her out but it'll actually benefit you too because you're not going to be able to get the of course the pain medication you're not going to be able to have surgery obviously um and there's no point in waiting she's more than ready to come out she was always measuring big from the get-go um so I was like no 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 please do whatever you need to do but um they had um like a painkiller that they'd administered um in the ambulance does set your heart rate flying Mm. um so they were kind of thinking it could be that you know that that's affected the baby um but they weren't in fairness the obstetrician wasn't taking any risks um i have a good relationship with her because as i said it's i've gone to her for the two girls um and she just was just like there's just no you know she's just so on the ball she was just like no let's just go for it um and I'm so glad she did because she Florence was born on Thursday and then on the Monday I had to have surgery on it turns out I had two breaks couldn't just have the one um my shoulder was broken and my humerus bone was broken um shattered actually um were the words used um I must have very gentle bones um um so I required surgery so I have now an arm full of pins um but that's the thing like you said like you know it was just you were even minimizing it here you were saying it was just a fall it was just a fall it wasn't you shattered your shoulder like that's that's an impact yeah you know and I think how brilliant that that team at CMH and CUH worked so effectively together to just say right we need to prioritize this we need to get baby out baby is ready to come out Let's get baby out and then then let's deal with you. They were phenomenal, Sinead. Um, I it's it's nearly like I, I'll never forget it. Like afterwards, I was so emotional from literally from the moment I walk, I went in to the moment I left with Florence was say five days later. The care I received from start to finish, from that ambulance crew to the person that walked me out of the hospital with Florence was like unbelievable if there wasn't a pandemic I think I would have ended up on the ward just hugging them all because they were just incredible and I think that's a really good thing to to also highlight you know let's let's remember all of this happened in October of this year yeah was it quite October maybe it was September September, the 24th she was born so yeah Yeah. the end of September um like it's just what like one thing always sticks out in my mind even when I got to the CMH and they were rushing me in for the emergency c-section there was about eight staff and I remember like they were obviously under pressure they were Mm -hmm. like this is an emergency situation we need to get this baby out and like there was literally eight staff gently all holding me to get me off the stretcher onto the operating table for the c-section and they were like, okay, I'll hold your arm. I'll hold, you know, mind the arm, mind the arm. And like literally in the midst of all their panic, they like the, um, like everyone, the, every single person that was involved in that C-section was, was like getting me off one bed onto the other to like, so I wouldn't hurt my arm. Like their priority right there was like, don't let this mother have any pain. Like we're trying to make this as easy as possible for her and I just remember looking up them all like bawling I'm an emotional person as it is I was like just hysterical like but like not hysterical in like panic 
because I was suddenly felt so reassured and so minded. I was just like so grateful to them for just being so kind. Like the um, male, I can never say this word, the person that administers the anesthetic. <laughs> the anesthesiologist. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> He was literally whispering in my ear, you know, like that everything was going to be fine. And it was just, I, I just was just like, you're all just bad people, angels, actual angels. And the whole experience, as dramatic as it was, was so lovely. It really was. The other thing is, is um, like, where is my husband through all this? The poor mm. fella was literally had followed us in the ambulance um, and didn't know what was happening. So was where they going to have the baby what was wrong with my wife so in fairness he had the cop on to just go across the road there's a shopping center across the road he just literally was over there um sitting in his car and um like I was just so lucky that it was my sister-in-law his mm. sister that um was the person that was dealing with me in, in the A&E because when she brought me over to the CMH she had the cop on to ring him and say they're going to deliver the baby now so he came over and in fairness um as all this is happening it was like a space of 10 minutes I was like guys you need where's Dennis you need to find Dennis and like there was midwives going out you know trying to find him um they were really really um you know trying to make like everything work out mm. and in fairness um he came in like maybe three minutes before she was actually born. So um, I might just add, we, for my first daughter, neither of us experienced the birth because I was under general anesthetic. So he had to get out, he had to stay out of the, the room for that. So um, I was like adamant that we would both see Florence being born. Um, so yeah, so he, we both saw her being born. Um, and in fairness, you know, they lived, you know they left they put down the um the cloth that's in front of you and we saw her being taken out of my tummy and like I'll never forget it the two of us just were just like stunned to silence um and it was amazing but yeah it was just it was all minutes there was just minutes um between everything but we both were there and it was this incredible moment so yeah it's so it's so incredible I'm I'm well enough thinking of him running in literally running getting there just on time just on time and it was so like it was so important um to him too because um obviously with um the pandemic obviously he missed all my scans as did every husband in the country um he missed all my scans he missed 20 week scan he missed everything so I was like, God, if he misses this now, mm. it's just going to be horrible for him. Um, and in fairness, he got there in the nick of time, oh. um, and he's already been delivered. And like he, it was, it was, it was fantastic. Um, and then that was kind of, I suppose that was the start then of a crazy few weeks. It was crazy, but I literally wasn't able to hold Florence. I wasn't able to feed her. I wasn't able to change her it's it's crazy what a break can limit you from doing um my arm was like strapped up um really close to kind of like it was across we'll say my collarbones like it was right up high so like um I couldn't use it at all but then um I couldn't lift her up if you know what I mean because it was like the arm was in the way um I don't know if anyone um has tried changing an appy with 
one arm um, after a C-section. Um, it was, it just, it just wasn't an easy thing to do. Let's talk it through. Like you had a massive fall. You had a yeah. massive fright. You know, your heart rate was going nuts. You then had a C-section. You then had surgery on yourself, on your shoulder. Yeah. You were covered in pins. You'd just, you'd given birth. Yep. You know, so I've given birth and I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. And I was handed my baby in the hospital kind of going, okay, now, you know, figure it out. And, and I remember feeling like, but I'm so tired. I know. You know, I'm so sore. I'm so this and so that. So every woman can relate to that. But Nessa, nobody went through what you had just gone through in those hours preceding. Like, I know, but it like was that, essential that Dennis was there. I was just so grateful because um, I remember just like, I actually hid him in the room. Like I was like, you, you cannot, the, these other women that have just gone through this experience cannot know that you're in here with me. Cause I just felt so sorry for people that had just given birth, had a new tiny baby to mind and had nobody to help them. Now, in saying that, um, the nurses and midwives, I think were even more phenomenal this time round because it's like they knew that women needed the, you know, the extra help. The, the nurses would take Florence up to the nursery for um, a few hours because for, it was easier for them for the feeds because they could literally give her the bottle um, and go about their work rather than coming into me taking her and mm. um, that was really strange I found that really hard there was look it all sounds lovely and fabulous there was lots of tears there was lots of like um don't take my baby um I, but I had to I had to hand her over I couldn't do anything um I I I might as well point out that like I did try breastfeeding her so at the start she was with me a lot more um because I was breastfeeding her um and even that Sinead oh my god like I I just have nothing but positive things to say about the whole experience um despite it being a bit chaotic um you know when she was born I obviously my hand was literally across my left breast so I had one functioning breast. Mm. So um, the um, I remember on like when she was born and you're in the recovery area, like I had two male nurses, I might add, plus my husband, all trying to get me to like get her to latch on. And they were really supportive. She wasn't feeding at all and I wasn't getting any painkillers. So in fairness, like it was with the the nurses they like had a had a firm chat with me and said look the baby is hungry you're in agony would you would you consider giving her a bottle and I was like oh absolutely like I had no problem in mm. um, doing both and then um, yeah she was feeding away so happily on the bottles that I said look let's just let's just go with that and yeah so then we left hospital after I think it was five days um, and we came home and it was so strange because I couldn't like I couldn't lift Florence I couldn't mm. feed her I couldn't change her nappies I was kind of like this bystander just like watching mm. my poor husband like I say my poor husband like he is her father but like you know he was suddenly catapulted into this role of like 
full time like he was the mom the dad he was helping me shower and get dressed he was helping he was looking after Florence he was looking after her now five-year-old she was four at the time um all during like a pandemic um now it was during a time where the obviously restrictions were way less and lifted mm. so we did have support a family which was unbelievable we were really really lucky our families live close by um but even at that you know we were slow to have people in because we had a newborn during of course the pandemic so yeah so it was absolute chaos chaos and as well like it's instinctive in us to want you know to jump at the first cry you know to to be the first to pick it up to know instinctively i i know how to comfort the baby i'll you know exactly when baby cries it gets handed to the mum. like that's just exactly what happens it's not about gender and it's not about it's just the baby wants to be as close to the person that they've lived inside for the last nine months 100 percent, and i think that was literally the worst part of it all i my god like I just cried all the time my poor Mm. husband was just dealing with the most emotional mess but I just I just was like I just kept thinking guilt I kept thinking that poor baby is just like we had like she's not going to be attached to me where's the bond um and like that as you said we have a natural instinct to jump at the first cry I have to laugh because those of my friends have said look if anything it's probably a good thing she's going to be such a chilled out baby because you were you know like Dennis would be a little bit slower you know to react to like her crying he'd be like she's grand um whereas I'd be like no pick her up pick her up pick her up there was a few occasions like really close after the surgery where like Dennis would walk into the room and I'd be there like trying to pick her up and he'd be like put her down (laughs) let me pick her up but as things got a little bit easier in fairness he um you know I'd have to be sitting and like I felt like I felt like my four-year-old daughter I had to be sitting on the chair and someone had to place the baby into my arms for me to have a little cuddle um it's exactly what I was just imagining yeah when when I'm setting my daughter up to hold near like everyone's around her like braced you know so that was basically it with me um I think there was actually yeah um I remember when Emily Rose um my older girl was um you know getting to have the first hold of Florence I was just cackling away to myself thinking that's me um but look it was chaos all I can say is thankfully it wasn't our first you know yeah I think if it had been our first, we would have, I don't yeah. know what we would have done. We, you know, because there would have been a different um, emotions going. But um, look, we managed. And but it was a very tough day one. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's accept that. <laughs> let's agree that it was a ferociously tough day one. Yeah. Um, and first week. And we know that those first days are so important for your emotional well-being you know, for your recovery, like there's so much going on in this story to then have to face into what a lot of parents say is the absolute hardest thing that they've experienced, which is symptoms of silent reflux or reflux or colic or digestive problems. Yeah. So when did you start tuning into, hang on, these cries aren't yeah. normal? Yeah, so pretty much straight away. I remember actually 
Dennis and I laughing in the hospital saying, God, this is so weird. She's so chilled. Um, so like she would literally just feed, sleep, which we hadn't had with her older girl. So we were just like, this is amazing. Um, and then literally, I'd say a day after us arriving home from the hospital, it all kicked off. And she went from, you know, kind of normal feeding, falling asleep, um, me wondering, do, I need, do we need to wake her to feed her? She was, you know, just so content. And then um, she just started crying an awful lot um, during her battles. And it was like, like, as I was, so as she was being fed, um, you know, you could tell she just wasn't like enjoying it at all. Um, she was, she was feeding really strangely. So like she was pretty much, she, she couldn't grasp the swallow, the sucking. She was almost choking on the bottles. So like did all the changing the teeth, changing the bottle. Um, she was like roaring. Um, you could see she was almost cramping, you know, like mm -hmm. she'd be feeding and she'd be like, her little tummy would be like moving in and out. Like um, she was doing the arch in the back um, and she was so tiny. I was just like, God, this is like, this is just, this is awful. And then um, that went on for about three weeks. Um, um, had seen the public health nurse, had been to the GP for the two week checkup. Um, you know, they had checked her, they had said um, it could be reflux. And I was like, I am like most mums on Google 24 seven. So at this stage I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely um, reflux. But I was like, I think it's silent reflux because she wasn't, um, she wasn't like bringing any of the formula out. She was just like regurgitating it. So basically you could see she was like, um, it was coming up she was like getting an awful um, pain up her little throat and then it was going back down again and you, you could see it happening um, so I knew she had the silent reflux but literally from about week two I was like I think she's got a cow's milk protein allergy and people were like sorry no she doesn't and I was like no I think she does and they were like how do you think that mm. um, but it, I just I had spent a lot of time in Google, like checking out silent reflux and all, you know, I'd put in her symptoms, which I know you're not meant to do, but like it kept directing me to the cow's milk protein allergy um, and um, said it to the um, GP, said it to the public health nurse. They were both like, it's a possibility, um, but, you know, it could also just be reflux. Um, and then when she was around three or four weeks old I brought her to um, a man I call the baby whisperer he's an osteopath here in Cork um, and he is phenomenal I had brought um, Emmy Rose to him when she was born um, for a totally different reason um, she had like born with a thing called torticollis which is like kind of a straining of the neck so someone has suggested I bring her to him um, just to align her and to ease out those muscles. And he had just been an absolute um, saviour to us then. So I said, Grant, I'm going to get her, going to get this baby, whoever um, she is, into Frank Kelleher, um, the osteopath, as soon as she's born. So I had, I made an appointment pretty much as soon as she was born. So brought her to him around week three or four. And he was like, straight away, he was like, she's got a, 
like really severe tongue tie, um, which I'm ashamed to say hadn't even no like hadn't checked. Had said to Dennis, my husband, about three or four times, I wanted to shoot tongue tie, but hadn't actually looked in the child's mouth, which mm. is bonkers when I think back. Um, but uh, and he was like, look, that could be the reason for all her feeding issues, or it could just she could just happen to have a tongue tie and she has other feeding issues but he was like let's get it look let's get it sorted so fairness there's a gorgeous woman that works with him um Deirdre Voss O'Leary who is just an incredible woman she's a lactation consultant and she's a midwife and she does the tongue tie corrections um so we brought her to her the next day and in fairness um Deirdre was just an absolute pleasure to deal with um and she said to us she has like a really severe tongue tie like her tongue was literally it, it wasn't moving like you, the line will say where the tie was was like blanched white so she was like um it's like really severe so that's probably why like she wasn't latching on obviously mm. when you're breastfeeding um she's choking on the bottles you know and you know tongue tie can cause reflux um so once it's corrected, hopefully things will calm down. But they mightn't, but they might, you know. Mm. So she was really, like, I suppose, clear. Um, she was really honest, but she was also so, so helpful. She gave us loads of advice. It was amazing. So um, she, the tongue tie was corrected, and um, it, t- it, it definitely took a good few weeks for, um, we'll say, improvement even in her swallow and her sucking. It wasn't instant, because a lot of people think it's instant. Um, like when it was done, because um, obviously we were like there with Florence holding her while it happened. Um, and like her tongue literally fell out, like it just flopped down, like it was so like taut. Um, it, and you could just see instantly her little face, like she was just like, oh, this, what, what's going on? This is amazing. Um, like her whole jaw and everything like loosened. You could see Aww. like her face changed like the structure of her face and everything like changed so um yeah so um things like it took a long time for we'll say it took a good three four weeks even five weeks for like her swallow and her sucking to like improve um but she was still in agony that's all I could say like the feeding was horrible I remember my husband saying like she just hates feeding and I was like like it actually just hurt my heart so much that's all a baby does is Mm. feed I like they should love it they should just want you know they should just enjoy every moment of it I was just like this is chronic so anyway um just to give I suppose an example of like what we meant by she hates feeding just for other um parents out there that maybe are going through it like she um like she used to cry for about 16 hours a day so colic is like I think is it six up to six hours a day and then they've colic poor old Florence like eight to 16 hours a day was like the average time she was crying she literally cried all day long um like and it wasn't just like a like a you know I'm a bit bothered it was a fun like screaming um when she was feeding she would literally like she'd be arching the back which are obviously which is a sure sign of um any either type of reflux but like she was just cramping cramping like you could just tell like her little tummy was hurting her um she would get quite like 
so she had a little rash constantly, like very, very minor, kind of on her chin and her neck. Um, and when she was feeding, it would get a bit redder. Um, and then it was her, like her stools were like explosive, like mm -hmm. every one of them was explosive. Um, and that was kind of it as far as our, as I remember but I remember saying to the GP who's actually great she is um she is really um familiar with babies um but she was like from the get-go she was like it could definitely be a cow's milk protein allergy but we have to rule out everything else so you know it wasn't like she was she wasn't a bit dismissive of me and um, mm -hmm. she was like it could be that but we need to do these steps so there's like a steps in um in the process but like literally i was just like but it's it's a cow's milk protein allergy so can i just get the prescription for the dairy free milk and um i just felt like it, it, despite people listening and despite people wanting you know to you know saying yes it could possibly be that but we have to do these other steps first to rule out that she doesn't have silent reflux and cow's milk protein allergy or does she just have the reflux as a result of the cow's milk protein allergy we need to do the steps and i understand that i understand from a medical point of view they need to you know they can't just jump in at the deep end and just go to the point where they're diagnosing a cow's milk protein allergy and then just skip all the like you know we'll say everything has to be kind of two weeks so like if you're changing a formula for a baby they have to be on it for two weeks before you can decide if it's working then we went to the gaviscon so we went to an anti-reflux formula then we went to adding the gaviscon the infant gaviscon to her bottles three times a day that had to be two weeks then we had to do two weeks of like a reflux medication and it was during that two weeks of the reflux medication that um I went back to my GP and I just said, like, right, she's refused. She had started to refuse her bottles. She was just like, not interested. Um, and she's a big baby. There was no fear of her. Like, I wasn't worried about her um, not gaining weight, which again was something. And I know from chatting to other moms now on Instagram is the most infuriating part of it all. She's she's a big baby. Obviously, she was nine three when she was born, and she's continued to um, you know gain weight. But because she's such a pudgy baby, like if I bring her to the GP or the Ostra, whoever, and they're like, well she was definitely feeding yeah. and yes she was she I think what was wrong is like even from the very start she was taking huge quantities so even in the hospital the midwives nurses were all laughing like she's the biggest hungriest baby we've ever come across um she was taking huge quantities from the from day one um but she wasn't enjoying it and she was basically taking the huge quantities because like the more like was the baby's feeding it's taking away the pain mm. and then as soon as it's hitting her tummy she's in agony again so she was putting on weight and I, I was getting really frustrated because no like everyone was like look she's feeding fine she's grand um if she had um cause an approach energy or if she had really bad silent reflux then she wouldn't be gaining weight and I was like well like I where are the people that are with her 24 7 where are the ones that are listening to the 16 hours crying a day um everyone kept saying oh you poor thing you know having to listen to that all day and I was like poor thing 
Mm. What about this like six, seven, eight, 12 week old? That's literally hysterical from the moment she wakes to the moment she goes back to sleep. Like, can we need to get to the bottom of this? So, um, went back to the GP during that time where she was on the, um, the medication for the reflux. And, um, I just said, look, um, you know, things are improved, but like, she's still crying for 16 hours a day. Um, we need to move on. Um, and in fairness, she was like, yeah, definitely. Let's get her, um, on the, uh, there's a for, there's so there's all different types of formula, but we'll say the one that she was put on was Nutramagen, which is like one that has um, the milk protein is like broken way, way, way down. So like it's still not dairy free, but it mm. does um, work on some babies. So um, she was like, we'll go, we'll put her on that. So she was, she was like, come back to me in a week if things haven't drastically improved and they hadn't like there was no difference so I went back to her um and she said right if you don't mind I'm going to just try to get a second opinion on this because you know it's dragging on now at this stage she was maybe like 11 or 11 weeks 12 weeks so she was like it's just dragging on let's just get to the bottom of it so in fairness she rang the bonds the pediatric assessment unit as I was standing there with her and um, they rang me back that day, like an hour after leaving the GP to say that they had a slot that afternoon and to come in. I was Brilliant. like, whoa. So off we went in. They did, in fairness, the lady on the phone said, look, there, there could be a slight chance she might have to stay overnight. So just bring a few bits just in case. Transfer, she won't, but just so you're prepared. So we went in and um, met some consultants. They checked her. Um, it was, again, can't fault it it was amazing um it was really fast um they in fairness now they had to swab us both for covid because of you know being in a hospital and numbers were rising so um that wasn't very pleasant for um small little lady but they checked her bloods um and then they were like right we're going to keep her in overnight and that they'd observe her feeding and just maybe run a few tests and it was all very um you know uh, just they were all very um kind of nonchalant about it like don't worry we'll just keep her in and and I was like okay um a little bit panicked kind of like why are you keeping her in but um they were very reassuring and um so we were in overnight they did a few tests that day and then the next day um consultant came in to meet her you know I gave her like a history of everything of um all all the um symptoms she'd had and in fairness she said to me um sorry I, I should say first I said to her um straight away she's got a cow's milk protein allergy and and she kind of looked at me and was like all right did does an older sibling of hers have one and I was like no and not at all but she has one and um she's like oh right you're very sure about that and I was like I am <laughs> and she was kind of laughing but also I suppose um it was my first time that I was really sure about something I suppose mm -hmm. talking to a medical professional that I was like no she does have one um at this point sure she was what 12 weeks old and um I, I I know I I suppose I mentioned um on Instagram that you know a mother's instinct is the most like valuable thing 
there is when it comes to your kids. But as I said now, from like week two, I was saying it was a cow's milk protein allergy. It was now week 12 and I was still mm. saying it was a cow's milk protein allergy and the child had only been, I suppose, being treated for a cow's milk protein allergy for a week at this point, which is like, what? nine weeks of her in agony so I was just like if someone doesn't just agree with me and say yes she has a calcium protein allergy I'm gonna go mad um so this consultant was like yeah she probably does um but we need to rule out everything else whilst we have her in fairness Sinead oh my god they did a full NCT of Lawrence she got heart scans brain scans like ultrasounds um they did a thing called a barium swallow test where basically she, they have to get her to swallow this um substance like a chalky white substance um and whilst she's drinking it they um do an x-ray so they can see like her swallow and they can see the reflux of the liquid up from her tummy um they which i might add she had to be fasting for try fasting a newborn it is not enjoyable oh the most so for overnight and her and the the test wasn't until half past nine in the morning I'll, I'll actually i think that was actually the worst point of this whole experience to date um i think i'm gonna have nightmares about that um they oh told me at around um they told me that night, late, oh, by the way, she's fasting. And I was like, all right, till when? And they were like, mm, not sure, but we'll try to get her in first thing in the morning. And I was like, sorry, first thing in the morning. And they were like, yeah, like, so probably around half nine. I was like, <gasps> it's 11 o'clock. Like, <gasps> it's just not going to happen. Like, she cannot, she won't last that long. Now, it was in a weird twist of faith I think she slept so much that night like I like any newborn if she wakes she wants a feed mm. like she that's that's the solution yeah so I I didn't sleep well I wasn't sleeping anyway because I was on a chair but that's another day story but she um literally she slept so much but I just sat up rigid just like so afraid that she was going to wake I would have had to have given her the bottle because she would have like roared so she eventually kind of woke properly at around half six which I mean had never happened so it was literally like the best thing ever like she'd have woken at that point at least mm. once for a bottle she didn't I think she was just so worn out from all the tests so look it was it was great but when she woke at half six I had to keep her like without a feed till mm. half nine and half nine was barium swallow substance so like it wasn't exactly nice mm. but like we're in this hot tiny sweaty room for three hours and she was just roaring her head off um it was it was horrific but oh anyway. god yes. yeah look so um she had all her tests done um and um then they kept her in again that night because they wanted to do a few more tests the next morning um, and then, yeah, we were sent home with a proper, I suppose, diagnosis, if you want to call it that, of the cow's milk protein allergy and the silent reflux, 
as individual things. Um, but like I was sent home on the same reflux medication and on the same formula that she'd been on, let's say for the week. That was that, I was sent to my merry way. Um, keep her on this formula, give her the medicine every morning um, and good luck. And um, you can come back to see the consultant on the 4th of January and look, if things haven't improved by then, then we'll try to, you know, go down another route. So um, Dennis and I were like, oh God, like we kind of, I suppose, knew we weren't going to get a miracle um, Mm. help but at the same time we were like is this it like is this is this as good as it gets now until like I suppose she's older and she's able to like not have so much formula and like she's on solids so we were a little bit disheartened obviously and it was just like right back to it back to the 16 hours of crying and swapping and I suppose the thing I should say is um which is probably particularly important for the parents is um, she just wanted to be up all the time. Like, mm. cause obviously with the reflux, they, they don't like to be flat cause you know, it hurts them. Um, but also um, she was just so unsettled that she just wanted to be up all the time. So the two of us had to swap her basically um, and take turns with her up and she wanted to be facing outwards. Cause again, I think it's your hands are on their tummy. So like a bit of relief for them and chatting to other moms on Instagram um which has been a lifesaver and my dad um like strangers people I don't know at all that have just said like that they went through it and that it was some people have said hell on earth others have said the worst few months of their life um you know and then other people have said it was on my second or third so it wasn't so hard um and then I've chatted to first-time moms who have said I just thought that this is the way all babies were and didn't want to have a second as a result mm. like it's that hard um again I it's it was my second baby um Emmy Rose didn't have any digestive issues didn't have any feeding issues so like it's why I had issues like that we had our first-time parent problems with her and that we didn't know what we were doing and connected every sound and everything whereas on this on Florence we were really you know comfortable with I suppose parenthood um so we were just totally thrown and I every day I'd say to Dennis and my mom if she called I just thank god I'm not a first-time mother because mm. if I was I just would have found it so incredibly tough um and I've had first-time mothers connect to me on Instagram and just said that um you know like in a weird way they they're delighted that it's like that it's my second and that they know that they're not doing anything wrong you know yeah. that they can see that you know even I suppose moms with an experience of another baby are going through this and I think that was really um good for me that I was able to say to these ladies like yeah it's you're literally doing nothing wrong it's it's the babies like unfortunately it's their little digestive systems are just struggling big time so um so yeah so she was on the formula then for I think a good three weeks and um still nothing she was just miserable and then I remember the date so clearly because it was um Emmy Rose my older girl's birthday um Christmas week 
and Dennis said, wouldn't it just be so lovely just to have like a day where Florence isn't roaring the place down for Emmy Rose's birthday? Because in fairness, she's been so patient. She said numerous times, I know you said babies cry, but I didn't think babies mm. cried this much. Broke my little heart. There's been a bit of, could we just <laughs> um, and in fairness it was literally like I don't know Christmas miracle I don't know what you want to call it but she went from being absolutely like brutally unsettled on, to okay overnight like I think it was around the 20th or 21st December um, she just she was like quote unquote a normal baby and that she was like crying when she was hungry when she wanted to be changed when she was just had wind um I actually can't believe I haven't mentioned the word wind until now <laughs> oh my god because wind is actually our biggest um issue I how have I not went to mention the word wind <laughs> Wind from the get-go has been our biggest issue. I'm so sorry for not mentioning that sooner, especially for other people listening to this. Wind, oh my God. From the day she was born, she's just had the worst wind in that she can't, she, she's been making noises out of both ends. I remember the first, her second week, my mom and dad were here and she was flatulating. Um, and they were like, my God, who is that? I was like, it's Florence. And like the wind was just like, it was, it was intense. But um, her, she still suffers so badly from wind. And that's, I suppose that was one of the reasons as well. I was so convinced it was a cow's milk protein yeah. allergy because with the silent reflux, yeah, they, you'd have wind. But like to this day, like you could feed Florence with say a bottle and it does take a good while to get the bottle into her um but like you'll be winding her for till the next bottle like it's so bad like she could do 20 burps um and like there's still more to come um so yeah so feeding is is nearly it's like a full-time thing like we just spend our her time getting a bottle ready, feeding her, burping her, and then it's time for the next bottle. She turned overnight. I'll never forget it. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is unbelievable. And that was a good, just for other people listening, that was a good three to four weeks on this formula. It was like her system needed to clear mm. the formula that had the milk in it, the milk protein in it, I should say. And then, um, she it cleared and it was like it was just profound um the only thing is is and I, i'm going into like total detail here that florence is gonna think look listen back on this and be like mom seriously <laughs> but like her um she still had very explosive green mm. stools and i was like don't really think that that's normal like everyone it wasn't just like a one a day like her clothes were constantly being changed we had to like I was living in fear of being out you know and that she'd need to go for a poo because we'd have to change her so when the consultant rang um um we didn't have the appointment in the end face to face with the pediatric consultant on the 4th of January because of the COVID numbers so it was a it was a um a phone call 
and when she rang and she said how's everything going and I was like oh my god things are taking a dramatic turn for the better every you know she's really settled well she's still like she's still cry for a few hours a day um again I don't want to sugarcoat it because I want to be realistic for people that are listening um she still cries an awful lot um Mm. for you know a baby of her age um but I was like, we, we don't know ourselves. Um, and she's way, she's such a happy baby now. Um, and she, but I said, but she still has these green explosive stools. So she said, right, it's, it's not working. Um, she, they're indicating that like, she needs a completely dairy free formula which um I was like yeah you know that one I was asking about like weeks ago yeah that one cool can we get the prescription she's now on that formula a week um and it's too early to know you know if things are going well or what's happening because the other formula is still in her system so it's going to take about three or four weeks for us to know um but we're just hoping that you know this is the end for her because the little little creatureine is like you know she's had a tough few months and all we want for her now is to kind of enjoy her feeding um and suddenly we're going to be on solids before we know it <laughs> and it'll be a whole other ball game because we're being referred to like a dietitian and an allergist um because that you know Apparently, babies that have this chiasmal protein allergy can have other food allergies. What stood out to me is, you know, you're a, you're you're the mum, you're the one at home, listening to this, witnessing it, seeing it, feeling it, connected to it because of that bond between you and your baby. That yeah. gut, that guttural, you know, she knew she had to come out. You knew yeah. that something was wrong. That is unbreakable. Yes, and yes. to be listened to is just so powerful to just be listened to yeah in those early days when you're saying i know that something is going on and that could be listened to from another parent who's going through it yeah. and just being told like not that this is normal but i i see you i hear you i'm feeling it i'm going through this like to not be on your own in it like that's a remedy in itself hugely um hugely Sinead and um you know when you're going through something like this you feel really lonely like there's no doubt about it you're like this is horrible you're you know it's the late nights like you're you know you're meant to be like having this lovely moment with your baby in the middle of the night feeding her and everyone's really sleepy and no she's roaring the house down and you know the whole house is awake and it's all very not relaxing and um you just feel really really lonely and you're like god we're really you know what is going on um but as you said there could just be like you know it could just be another parent that listens to you and there's been many a um an instagram chat with you know other moms even yourself i mean you weren't going through this um with juliet but you were one of the people that like completely were there for me um as I said to you you were such a sport over the last few months we had the the funniest chats um (laughs) and you just had like such great advice and um even though you weren't even going through it yourself but like as a mom you've probably gone through other things and you just like you just connect with certain people and it's really important I think as a as a mom 
to just find those people that you can connect with and that you can have these real honest and like and you know I suppose like you know emotional chats if they need to be emotional or just somebody that will listen to you and and not just say ah you poor thing Mm. you know yeah that sounds really hard and you know you kind of know that the person isn't really you know doesn't really understand I suppose um whereas there's just certain people that do really get it and I think to find those people is really important and um I suppose just to say as well like um getting you know getting heard we say by um by the medical professional and and getting them to listen to you I have to say as a second time around mom I had a totally different experience every single person asked me if this was my first baby and when I said no they I was treated different I I definitely was treated differently Mm. it was like oh she's not this hysterical first time mom who doesn't know what she's doing she actually knows what she's doing and there, there's probably actually something wrong with the mm. baby you know and and I found that both great for me because I definitely was listened to that bit more but I found it so infuriating and frustrating to think that if I was a first-time mom and I was going through this like would it you know how would I have been treated um so I have said to lots of people on um Instagram um that have you know come to me asking about my experience I've said to them you know because unfortunately a lot of them have been first-time moms you know just just go with your gut go with your instinct um if you think your baby has any kind of issue like push it push it go to another GP if you have to there's definitely actually while whilst I'm on that topic of GPs my GP said to me that calcium progenology is one of the most underdiagnosed um, sim- um ailment I don't know, allergy um in the country um and that it's been referred to as colic for the last 50 60 years i'm able to be more vocal but i suppose i just want to let moms know that maybe aren't in the right head space or just feel like they're not being listened to that it's really really important to just you know go with your gut and get get yourself and your baby um looked after i think that point you made is just so right i think on your first you're so vulnerable and you're so easily swayed and you're so self-doubting that it's impossible to even believe yourself never mind ask somebody else to believe you exactly and second time round, you have that that badge (laughs) that says i've been there i've done this i've fought the wars i i know when something is up i know my mind i know myself i know my baby and you know yeah i'm so i I always especially in the pandemic especially with everything that's going on right now for first-time moms to be so absent of that village um that that often stand up on their behalf or give them the information they need or give them that reassurance that they need um i just want to thank you for doing that because that's that you're helping them so much by answering their questions by shed like showing what your experience is and by saying you know i i've been through it and i know this isn't right and i'm going to be the voice that says find a solution for my baby find a solution for every baby fight 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 until you have a baby that is that is not in pain and that's what this is 
it's not that I don't want my baby to cry. You exactly. don't want your baby to not be in pain anymore. So that's it. And like a few people have said to me, you poor thing, you must be wrecked. And I'm like, of course I'm wrecked. Sure, everyone with a new baby is wrecked. But my poor baby is in agony. It doesn't matter. I, I can sleep when she's older. But this poor little cra- like mm. little thing is just like, is in agony. And it's just hard to see. And, you know, it's 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 infuriating when you're not being listened to but at the end of the day thankfully we're hopefully on the right road now and um like that i had never ever heard of cmpa is how it's referred to um i'd never heard of a cousin until far and so it just goes to show if it's not in your world you don't hear about it. Um, I'd heard all about reflux. I've had friends and family who've had babies with silent reflux and, you know, reflux. Um, but I've never heard of chiasma protein algae. And now it's my whole world. And I feel like I'm an expert on it. Mm. Um, and now since I've, you know, I suppose told people or put it up on Instagram that we're going through it, the amount, even people I know have said that, x y and z had a cosmo protein allergy and that that actually like the guilt i was like oh my god you were going through this and i didn't even know and i think that's why it's really important to talk about it um especially on podcasts like this because you know it's a really it's a really common thing the the amount of people who's like I have friends or I have people on Instagram who might have three children and one of them might have had it or all three might have had it. Um, so it's really, really common. And all while one handed. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can only laugh. Look, if if you, if I was going to say, if you didn't laugh, you cry. But there was loads of crying. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm it, just, I'm so glad that you even find, you, that you can still laugh. Because I think I would just be 24-7 crying. So. I know, it's weird. Like, again, um, if this had happened to me on Emmy Rose, I, I don't know how mm. I would have survived. But um, I suppose I just have a different outlook now. And a different outlook on motherhood and life. And thankfully, I'm, you know more mentally stable and um I just I have to laugh I actually think it's it's quite funny in a way that this was thrown at us um and we came out the other side you're doing such a phenomenal job in minding your own mind through this um because it is so easy to lose it and and it's okay to also lose it yeah Definitely. And it's and it's okay to say this is too hard for me. I need help. I need to talk to somebody. I need emotional support. This isn't this isn't about bravery. This is about these are experiences that are very real and and shouldn't be dealt with in isolation and alone. Um so thank you for sharing it. Thank you for talking about it. And oh, I just I can't wait to start seeing those pictures more frequently of <laughs> your happy little girls oh, thank you so much Sinead um as I said you've been a huge support and hopefully I can you know help other moms go through it as you said it's 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 so important to you know it's not about bravery it's not about putting um ro- you know making everything look rosy and that everything is going well I'm sure people that follow me on Instagram have seen like I'm very honest I'll show you know the good and the bad um and um 
just just chat to someone get you know if if it's friends if it's a medical professionals just chat to someone tell them what's going on um it'll make all the difference it did for me um and don't get me wrong there's days where i have said to my husband i can't do this I, i'm running away i'm running away i'm off to mexico um, um and that's okay that is completely okay because i'm sure as mothers and as fathers we're going to be saying that until the kids are raising their own kids and then we'll be saying it about the grandkids so look it's just that the airports might be open by then <laughs> We are li- we are literally grounded. <laughs> we're yeah we're we're we're, we're trapped. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sinead. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are now 100% biodegradable, plant-based, and compostable wipes, and the winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes so you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest at Nessa Hurley on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.